You don't fix faith. Faith fixes you. This is a quote from one of my favorite TV shows called Firefly, which is this cool sci-fi western, uh, no longer on the air, but uh, a great show. And in this particular episode, the young girl is having a conversation with the shepherd or the pastor in the show. And uh, she was tearing out pages from his Bible and rewriting other pages and making notes and dog-earing and changing it as much as she could. She said she was trying to fix the Bible because, as she said, the Bible's broken. It doesn't make sense. The response of the pastor to whom she was speaking was very simple. It's not about making sense. It's about believing in something and allowing that belief to be real enough to change your life. It's about faith. You don't fix faith. Faith fixes you. During our Lenten journeys, we're trying in some way to fix ourselves, to strengthen our faith, and to uh, maybe get rid of some of our less than admirable qualities. Lent can be a difficult time because we're led to face into the darkness of our lives and to shine a light on those places where we might not want light to shine. And then we get to decide what we're going to do. Are we going to keep the light there and root out the darkness, or are we going to pass by and maybe let some of that darkness remain? The observance of a holy Lent is not an easy task. And it's one which many of us may have felt at various times like we have failed before, maybe more often than not that we have failed. How often have we worked at a Lenten discipline and not quite made it the full 40 days? Or maybe not even made it a day and a half? Um, I, all right, one other person at least good has failed at a Lenten discipline. Um, I would argue that by trying and failing, we still are doing something of value. Because the point of Lent is not necessarily success at not eating a particular thing for 40 days. Rather, the point of Lent is to face the darkness of our lives and to seek God's help to overcome the darkness with God's light. And so will we choose fully to face the darkness in our lives? The first temptation that Jesus had by the devil was the temptation not to follow the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. What was the Holy Spirit's pitch at this point? Come on, Jesus, come into the wilderness and don't eat for 40 days and and be tempted by the devil. Trust me, it's going to be great. And Jesus is thinking, really? Because that sounds awful. I mean, what's... What is, he, what is he supposed to do with that? I'm certain that Jesus had some doubts, little nagging questions, dreading the 40 days to come. Is this really going to be worth it? Is it really God's Spirit that's leading me? Or why should I have to go through this? I've been faithful to God my whole life, and now I'm tired, and I'm hungry, and I'm miserable, and is this all worth it? Or is God even real? Or am I crazy for putting myself through this? We only hear about the last three temptations that the devil gave, but Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And only after those 40 days, when Jesus was famished, did the devil tempt him to turn the bread into the stone, or to worship him and and receive all the kingdoms of the earth, or to jump off the temple so that God's angels would protect him. These were the big and the obvious temptations, and possibly the easiest for Jesus to overcome. 
I think that if I were talking to the devil, and I knew I was talking to the devil, and the devil said, worship me rather than God, I have a feeling I could probably say no. The greater challenge is struggling to overcome the less obvious temptations, our less than healthy desires, our doubts, our fears, our blindness to the way in which our actions hurt other people. Our struggle is to have faith in God in those moments, in the little parts of our lives. To believe that giving up something that we want or something that we're doing or which we're afraid of doing, to believe that those things will actually bring us blessing. If the devil were to stand up before any of us and say, worship me instead of God, I bet we could say no. Faith comes when there is no obvious negative consequence to our actions. Other than that, we believe that God wants something different for us. And then choosing to follow that, believing what God wants, believing that, and allowing that belief to change our lives. Trusting God with our lives, that's the challenge of Lent. The challenge of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. We can trust God with our death. Who else are we going to trust with our death, after all? We believe that through death there is continued life in God. And we believe that there is joyful and wonderful life with God. So absolutely, I will trust God with my death. No problem. But trusting God with my life is a bit riskier. The things with which we are tempted, those things which God might not have in mind for us, our selfish desires, are often more attractive on face value than the things which God might have in mind for us. Let's face it, doing the wrong thing is often fun. Otherwise we wouldn't do it. But all that is gold does not glitter. I was having a conversation with one of our youth yesterday about the fact that I grew up in Houston and she commented how cool it must have been to grow up there where you could kind of do just about anything you wanted to do. uh, As many bowling alleys as we wanted, movie theaters to boot. Um, To her surprise, however, I said how much cooler it would have been growing up in Bay City. I know the grass is always greener wherever you are, but there were a lot of things to do in Houston, as I said, and those things were quick and easy and fun and entertainment, surface-level activities. But the best memories I have are spending time with my friends, riding bikes, going on rollerblades, going to the creek in the back of our neighborhood, spending time with each other at each other's homes. And you just, in Bay City, you don't have to go as far away to do that stuff. All that is gold does not glitter. And the bright lights and the glitter of the big city, I said, are just bright lights and glitter. And those things may be attractive on face value, and they certainly are attractive, but they don't really feed us or fill us, necessarily. Our relationships and the simple things of life are what feed us much more fully than bright lights and glitter. Well, in the same way... And now I'm not saying that Houston's bad or anything like that. Um, Or we should give up Houston for Lent. But in in the same way though, analogously, the things with which we are tempted, those things that God might not have in mind for us, our selfish desires, are often more attractive on face value than those things which God does have in mind for us. That all that is gold does not glitter. And all the temptations with which we are tempted are not always obvious, but they are attractive. So will we trust in God enough to deny ourselves some of the more attractive things 
in order to follow Him to those things which are less attractive on the surface, but which will grant us greater joy and love and peace? Will we trust God with our deaths, believing in the beauty of the resurrection and the eternal life given to us in Jesus? We trust God with our deaths. Would God have anything less beautiful in mind for our lives? Now, we may not be able to see the beauty that God has in mind at every minute, thinking, 40 days in the wilderness without eating, that sounds pretty miserable. We may not be able to see how that could possibly be beautiful. But then again, we don't see the beauty of the resurrection yet. We only believe it. So during this season of Lent, we're challenged to trust in God, to believe in His way for our lives. And then to allow that belief to be real enough to change our lives. We are challenged to have faith. And not to fix our faith. But to allow our faith to fix us. Amen. Amen.